This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The bounce all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman German can obnoxious, what you'll face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast, where a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are joined today by a very special guest picker. We have uh, ESPN College Game Day's Chris Felica with us. Chris is a 1994 graduate of the U. He is the co-host of the Stanford Steve and the Bear Prop podcast, and he is the research producer and on-air personality for ESPN's College Game Day. Chris, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for hanging out with us. Of course, happy to uh, happy to be on in such a uh, highly anticipated weekend uh, in the sport, and certainly I'm uh, I'm guessing in Athens there. Yeah, huge huge week this week, and in addition to all the I think championship anticipation, obviously a wild week this week from a coaching perspective. Um, a lot of things going on, so I know it'd be plenty of y'all for y'all to talk about on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all will be setting up in Atlanta on Saturday, as normally is the case for the SEC title game. You know where the spot is going to be this year? Is it going to be in the traditional spot between no, the bins? No, I, I was told we're actually going to be in a, a, a fan fest area indoors. Uh, oh, I believe cool. it's going to be in the convention center is what I was told. So yeah, not the... Uh, not that little outdoor area in, in in the mud pit between the Congress Center and the, and and the dome. It'll be it'll, it'll be indoors. I'm told a little, little different scene, a little different look, and weather uh, weather impervious there. Yeah, that's a good thing. My brother and I were there in '18 when it what? had all the rain and had to move inside, and we weathered the rain to start. So it was it was cool. That's cool. Y'all be in a new spot, and that convention center is a, a good setup. And and like you said, from a weather perspective, it'll be more comfortable. So that's a good thing. You know, we all have people all along our path that kind of help us along or help us mm-hmm. get an opportunity. And I understand Mike Breen was one of those people for yeah. you. Could you tell us a little bit about the role he played in the start of your career? Yeah, no, I mean, as a, a student assistant, uh, I'm in the Miami Sports Information Department. We always had the opportunity to kind of work all the, whether it was a, a Heat game or a Marlins game or a Dolphins game or Panthers, I just like, when visiting media would come in, they would need statisticians to to help with their broadcast. And I'm just a college kid making 40, 50 bucks just keeping game stats. But uh, one night I had the opportunity to to do stats for a Knicks Heat game in WFAN. And uh, Mike Breen and, and Walt Frazier, the, the, the radio play-by-play analyst that the Knicks at the time, I just basically at, at the end of the game, I was talking to Mike and saying, Hey, here, here's my deal. I'm from Long Island. Would love, like, is there any internship opportunities or any summer jobs uh, at FAN? And he was like, Absolutely. Call me when we get back from the road trip. We'll put you in touch with the right people. We'll, we'll get it done. And that was it. For, I mean, I was able to get a, a great internship at, a, at WFAN Sports Radio Station in New York and be around uh, guys like Mike and the Mad Dog and, and, and Mike Lupica and, Berman and Jody Mack and, and Steve Summers and I and Eagle. Uh, like it was just a great opportunity. And then one of the producers, Bill Rodman from one of the morning shows, wound up moving up to ESPN radio 
uh, when ESPN Radio formed, heard that I was looking for a job upon graduation. This was a time when ESPN Radio was just getting started and they were only on the air weekends from like 6 p.m. to 1 in the morning. So I wound up getting like a a weekend part-time gig commuting from Long Island up to Connecticut uh, just for those couple of days and just wound up meeting people there and by word of mouth got introduced to the the college game day research position and the uh, the rest is history. So yeah, who, who would have known that doing a uh, doing little courtside stats for a Knicks Heat game in say March of uh, 1993 would have uh, led to the networking opportunity that it did now and in and the opportunity where I am. It's great. Oh, that's beautiful. I think there's such a great lesson in that too for listeners of ours that are that are in college or, or chasing their first job is never be afraid to make the ask. Right? Yeah. You know, can't hurt. Worth um, it to say I, is no. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, how neat was that too? Like, I'm sure growing up on Long Island, you had to be a Knicks fan, right? No, I'm, I was never really a massive NBA fan. I was like, I was Big East. I was Big East college basketball through and through. It didn't matter. I, I, I'm Jets, Yankees, Islanders, yeah, Big East hoops. That's my realm. But uh, yeah, did but just to, yeah, but but FAN was FAN. It was the first all sports station. Uh, yeah, much out there it was what I listened to. Essentially, twenty four seven in the car and 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 to be there and and be working for them and then actually get to go to the building in, in Astoria, Queens, and 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 work. It was it was pretty darn cool. I think one of the cool things about your story too is that you've been with Game Day for a long time. You, mm-hmm. You've been there since ninety six. Could y'all have envisioned in ninety six that it would become what it's become? No, no, I, I, no, nobody had. I mean, at that time, we were just an hour long and we weren't traveling on the road every week. And it was certainly the fans and the and and the signs were nothing compared to to what we have now. And I think it was Discover Card came aboard with the big sponsorship, which helped us getting on the road. And then Home Depot came in with a big sponsorship and allowed us to to, to go on the road even more. And uh, no, it, it's been great. And I think the good thing about the show is that while we always like to say the show is not about us, and it's not the fact that people are coming on out and. Fans love coming and watching the, watching our show on the big screen, interacting with the seeing themselves on TV, and uh, it's kind of like a three-hour pep rally for your team and for your school, and and we we don't forget it. Believe me, we we appreciate everybody that that comes on out because without those people, our show isn't on the road every week, and, we, and we're not doing what we love if those people don't come out each week and and do what they love and support their favorite team. It's obviously been a special year for Georgia thus far and, and thus for dogs fans as well. And, and part of what's been special about it is that game day has been in Athens twice this year. And that certainly adds to the gravitas of the weekend. What, what's your favorite part about getting to visit Athens? Once I get there, the drive, <laughs> once I get there, that, that's the yeah. favorite part. The, the favorite part is not the drive from the, from Atlanta to Athens. That's for sure. But no, it, it's a, for for I think that's that's the thing for a lot of people. Like I don't know if people outside the SEC can like differentiate. Like it's not Atlanta; it's a completely different area. And it's it's really it was funny. We were having this conversation a couple of weeks ago in Oxford, and I, I was going to say I, I think that I think Athens is certainly number one, but like Oxford's probably right below that. But but I, but I think just the it, just the, the vibe around town, like. Everybody is so into into Georgia. There's so much to do. Whether it's you're look you're looking at food, music, entertainment, it's just a really cool place to be. And it, it's funny. I actually said to 
the guys in the car. Like, like if, if I were doing it all over again, this is certainly a place that uh, I definitely uh, would, would have considered. But yeah, yeah, once you get there, you're golden. The drive from ATL, that, that can be a little trying at times because of traffic. And the, I, I can remember when we were there for the first time, um, I guess it would have been 97 for the Tennessee game, uh, what they've done to the facilities. Yeah, stadium and that area, like that, that state, like for the Arkansas game, that was as rocking of a stadium. I, I'm shocked that the fans felt as threatened as as it seemed like they did against Arkansas for a, for a four touchdown game that was never ever close. But that was a a really really great scene in there, and uh, and everybody certainly made their 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 school and their program proud with how they approached that show in that game. Yeah, I thought one of the coolest things from the game broadcast that day was was Holly dropping the knowledge that uh, it was louder decibel-wise than the whiteout had been the week mm-hmm. or two weeks prior. I thought that was a, that was a cool thing and really neat for like the Spike Squad and Paint Line and those student groups that kind of lead that charge. Mm-hmm. So, so that was great. Well, I know uh, I know you and Kirk aren't scared to uh, to go to a good eating place and get oh. a few plates. So, what are some of your favorite spots to, to grab a bite when y'all are in Athens? Chuck's is, is certainly a, a place where we like to go, whether it's in, in Athens or in, uh, in in Tuscaloosa. And I cannot remember the name of the place that I went and had lunch with Don. And it was basically a seafood place. It, it, it was, oh, shoot. It's really, he's, he's going to be mad at me now when he hears this. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the name of the place, but uh, yeah, I went out and had a, had a great lunch. We went to... Is a place called Last Resort? Is there? Is, is that yeah, thing? yeah. Last we Resort's there great. For dinner one night, which was nice. They got Cecilia's uh, five, kids five, too. Five is great. always five is always a place to go as well. I mean, they they I don't know what they do with their burgers, but the that's good stuff. But yeah, you, usually we kind of stay in the in in the fives or, or Chuck's uh, realm. That, that that's stuff that we love and we don't get a chance to go to, but except for when we get to uh, to Athens and Tuscaloosa. I'm going to give you one more to add to the list. Next okay. time y'all are in town, mm-hmm. get some breakfast from Mama's Boy. It's okay. it's the best. They got right. a uh, they got a they got a pulled pork hash there that's that's to mm-hmm. die for. And then they also do I mean their their biscuits are biscuit sandwiches are out of bounds too. Right. So check that it's one out for sure. I'm a hash guy. I can remember when we went to to Boise, uh, gosh, it was it had to be at least 12 years ago now because it was right in their heyday of 2009. 2010, there was a place up there called Goldie's, which made a uh, a salmon hash, which was ridiculous. But pulled pork hash sounds uh, sounds a lot more up our alley. Yeah, brother, it's not terrible. I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> it's our number one spot when we when we head into the classic city. So, well, hey, I know you've told this story a lot, but I just love this story for so for our listeners who haven't heard it. How did you get the nickname Bear? Well, it, it was it was Lee Corso. I certainly didn't give it to myself. Kirk and myself were having lunch or brunch or something in a restaurant uh, in, in Phoenix in the ho- off the hotel lobby. And coach always likes to go out for a, a morning walk. And he had his comes in his, with his black leather jacket and his jeans and his tennis shoes. And uh, he never really shies away from uh, making an announcement that he's, that he's here. So he comes in and he walks and he's walking by and he sees Kirk and myself and he just yells like in his in his voice. This is two thousand three, whatever whatever the heck it was. And it's like, "Yo, Chris Felica, uh, Kirk Curve Street, how you doing?" And like immediately, it's like, "Okay, I'm I'm here. Here I am." And anybody who's seen Kirk and I, as you alluded to, uh, out and about, 
uh, getting after it. We, uh, <laughs> any, any empty space on the table is wasted space. So we've got a bunch of stuff on the table. So coach like looks at the table. Uh, he looks at me, he looks at Kirk, he looks at the table and he looks at me again. And he just says, look at you, Felica. You're just like a big bear. All you do is eat, sleep, and I'll let you finish off the, uh, the third <laughs> word yourself. <laughs> that's, that's the, uh, that's the inception of the, uh, of the bear nickname. And oh, that's... Uh, it, it, it's only, it, 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 it's only it's something that only he would have been able to, huh, yeah, you're a bear. You eat, you sleep, you do it all over again. Next day is quick wit that he, uh, that he had uh, in those days prior to it. And I'll tell you what, he's been pretty quick witted the last couple of weeks on the show, the last month or so into these college football playoff discussions too. It, it, it's great to see. Cause it kind of reminds me of the old yeah. Lee Corso, but you just, since the Cincinnati group of five, they don't belong. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like totally like dismissive of, of Cincinnati and back in Notre Dame. And I, I get, uh, I don't care. Michigan state Michigan beat Michigan. Michigan's better. And you know what? He, Kind of are. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. It, it's been great to see him uh, the last few weeks all wound up and passionate and quick and spontaneous uh, like we remember him for so many years on the show. Uh, he's such a beauty, man. And I think it's so fitting that someone with such an iconic nickname gave you yours. I just think oh. there's some some beautiful symmetry to that, great. right? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, you alluded to it. There's a exciting weekend coming up great slate of games mm-hmm. i just think there's i actually think some of the uh the group of five games are maybe as enticing as the rest of the board yeah. to be honest but um want to have you pick some games with us you good with that yeah, we'll do let's try all right man well let's start with the conference usa championship game which i think this is a fun matchup western kentucky the hilltoppers got to go to UTSA and play to road runners. UTSA obviously coming off a disappointing loss last week against North Texas after a, a magical season. Um, it's it's pretty much a, a pick them. Uh, Hilltoppers are a half point favorite. They got Bailey Zappi, who is just spinning the ball over the yard, 5,000 yards, 52 touchdowns. I think the coolest thing about that kid is Houston Baptist transfer, yeah. right? Well, I was going like, to say, yeah, yeah. Tyson, Tyson Elton brought in. Uh, coordinator and and the quarterback they came along from Houston Baptist to to kind of help that offense out and, and the numbers actually grown to two and a half now and I like uh, UTSA uh, in, in this game uh, they did beat them earlier this year as an underdog but I like the kind of the angle of getting a bad game out of your system before the biggest game of the year it's a team that kind of been living on the edge all year won some close games and and finally. They, they just laid an egg for the, for the first time this year. And now you have an opportunity in your home stadium to win a conference championship and, and you're, you're a home underdog coming off of that performance. Like I, I think Jeff Trailer's team is going to come out and play really, really, really well. And I would expect that defense, which likes to, to get after some people, I, I, they're going to give them some points and yards here, but, but I do think they're going to make a couple of big plays uh, against happening in that offense. So give me the roadrunners plus the points. So my co-host boss is taking the Hilltoppers. He likes them in this one. Um, This is a tough, tough pick for me. You know, Western Kentucky's had a good, good year. They only lost to Army by three, Mm -hmm. lose to Indiana by two. They get beat by Sparty, a really good Sparty team Mm -hmm. uh, in East Lansing. Zappy got hurt in that game too. Right, right. And so 
This is a tough one, man, because I think Western Kentucky is, is different than what their record indicates. And to your point, you got the Roadrunners coming off a disappointing loss. They got three fumbles in the first half, never really got their footing. Yep. And and classic look-ahead game, right? Like they're they're gearing up for the conference title game. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna mail it in and, and take care of the mean green. It, it didn't happen. And so this is a tough one, man. I've loved UTSA all year, but I think I'm gonna go with with the Houston Baptist transfer. And the Hilltoppers. In this one. Yeah, I just I, I love I think this is going to be one of the most fun games of the weekend. So I'm fired up to watch this on Friday night when we get and into I, Atlanta. I'm, I'm not going to be able to watch a lot of it because I'm going to be working the, uh, the Pac-12 championship game that night in Vegas with Kirk and Chris and Holly. And then we're going to fly across and uh, get to Atlanta in the wee hours on Saturday morning. So I'll be able to catch about an hour and then I'll be able to have about a half an eye on it as we have broadcast the other game Friday night as well. So speaking of that one, that's the next game on our docket. The Utes are having a rematch with the Ducks in the in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, last line I had was minus two and a half. Is it still sitting there? Utah yeah, minus seen, two and a half. Utah, I've seen Utah minus three uh, in, in most places. And I was talking with Stanford Steve about this game earlier on our podcast, and it just feels like it's a bad line. Like like it's like, like I I know Vegas says oh there are no trap lines and but but the line's low. Anyone that watched that first meeting between Oregon and Utah, Utah basically stole Oregon's manhood in that game. They yep. ran right over them, ton of missed tackles, bullied them at the line of scrimmage. And like it makes you think now that Utah should be a bigger favorite in the game than, than what they are. Anthony Brown was terrible in the game. But give Oregon credit. They did bounce back last week, took care of Oregon State in, in pretty convincing fashion to – to earn their way to get to the Pac-12 championship game. And I would just have to think, uh, based on what happened in Salt Lake a couple of weeks ago, that Oregon's going to show up with, with a, uh, a a better effort in this game. And uh, I love the fact that both teams are taking this game as, as serious as it is. I mean, look, the Rose Bowl is at stake here. I, I, so many times in the sport we see people get wound up about playoff or bust. Well, the Rose Bowl is a massive deal, especially for a team like Utah, uh, which has never been there. So it's a game I don't love. Uh, If I had to play the game, though, just based on how bad and how Oregon played in that first game, I would think Mario Cristobal and and that team uh, would would rally just a little bit and take that one a little bit personally. And, And I'd lean towards taking the Ducks here. So my co-host boss is going to take the Utes here. He he took them the first time around, and he said he's just going to stick with his same yep. pick. Nothing wrong with that strategy. Um, you know, they wore those just electric USSS Salt Lake City unis that sweet. night. Oh, they were fresh with the hand-painted helmets. Yep. I mean, they were just awesome. I, I do think there's something to be said for the fact that they played the first game on their home turf. That's a really tough place to play. They play really well there. Neutral site here in Vegas. I'm kind of with you, man. I think I think Oregon's got a lot to prove after getting thumped that first time. And the Rose Bowl is no carrot to sneeze at, brother. I mean, if you have had the opportunity to go to Pasadena and experience the Rose Bowl, it is it is awesome. I mean, it's one of the magical experiences in the sport. And I'm sure it's to an nth degree if you're a player in that game. So this is another one. This whole slate for me was tough. But I'm kind of with you. I, I look at the Ducks to rebound on this, and um, I, I think they win straight up. So I, I'm, I'm there as well. All right. Man, I, you guys got – you're working that game and then turning around. You got a, you got broadcast Saturday morning. Yep. 
Oh man, no rest for the weary, huh? Yeah, no. I, I would expect by the time we uh, finish up that game in, in Vegas and get to the plane, uh, I, I would think we'll probably uh, get to the hotel at around maybe four thirty. Hopefully, is my goal in Atlanta. Be able to get about two and a half hours of sleep and be ready for the show at nine, and then get a little nap in after the show before heading on over to. To, yeah, I, I can't wait for this game on Saturday afternoon. Just I mean, uh, it, it's it's going to be the first time in a while that I'm really just I'm not in a game truck really working uh, during the game. I'm literally just watching and enjoying the game and to be in that building where it, every hit's going to be ooh and ah. That it, it's going to be an electric app. I can't wait. Yeah, so Saturday is going to be an awesome slate all around, starting with this noon kick in the Big 12 title game between Baylor and Oklahoma State. This, this is another one. La- last line I had on this was was the Pokes minus five and a half. Is that last number yeah, you saw? You know, that, that's kind of where it is right now. It's come down from six and a half earlier in the week. Uh, it's a hard game for me to play right now, only because we don't know the status of Bahannon, uh, Baylor's right. starting quarterback. Uh, yep. that, that's a big deal. Uh, Sunday at six and a half. I liked Baylor anticipating a line move down, but, but, but I, I think there's something to be said before Bohannon doesn't play and you got to play the backup again. Now, Oklahoma state has film on the backup, just like they did. Remember, remember TCU, remember TCU. That's right. Beat, beat Baylor back with the backup quarterback. Then the backup quarterback went to Stillwater the following week and they had film on him and they absolutely destroyed TCU in that game. So it could kind of be a little bit of a similar situation. And remember, too, like Baylor kind of had every, like they got three turnovers. They were plus three in turnovers in that first game. Oklahoma State didn't turn the, I mean, uh, Baylor didn't turn the ball over at all. And they still lost by double digits. Yep. Are they going to get three turnovers again? Is the backup not going to turn it over? Like at five and a half, and I even think this line might come down a little bit more. I know it was a, an electric atmosphere last week in Stillwater. It was a wild scene afterwards. I was there. It, some people might think it's going to be hard for, for Oak State to get up uh, after finally breaking that losing streak in Bedlam. But at five and a half in the anticipation of five, I'd wait it out uh, just because you're going to want an official pick for your show. Put me down for Oklahoma State. But I, I, as a, if you're actually betting the game, I'd wait this out for A, to see if Bahannon is going to play and B, if you can get a better number. Yeah, so Boss is going with the Bears. He's been on Dave Aranda's bunch all year. So he's, right, well, he's well, the only time it. they've been an underdog four times this year, and they've won three of them outright. The only one they didn't was the was was the Baylor game. So well, well we're we're going oppo in all three games here. This is good for yeah. you. Right? Yeah, yeah. I know it. I know it. I I'm I love this Oklahoma State team. I, I think the beauty of the Pokes this year is they're playing defense, right? Which in, in the Big 12, we're just not used to. I also think Spencer Sanders, as the season has progressed, has gotten continually better. And I think he may have had his his signature performance in Bedlam. Uh, and, and I just think culturally, that was a big win for that bunch because that has been a rivalry that OU has dominated as of late. And to put that feather in their cap, going into this Big 12 title game with the opportunity to get into the dance, because I'm of the opinion if they take care of their business and only one other thing happens for them, they got an opportunity to be in the CFP. They got a ton to play for. And there are people (laughs) that don't even think one other thing has to happen. Right. There are people that will put their resume up against Cincinnati's and, and say, hey, you've got two wins over Baylor. You're a power five conference champion. You've got a win over Oklahoma. 
You went to Boise and won, and Boise could be a Mountain West. Well, there wouldn't be a Mountain West Conference champ this year, but it's always a, a, a hard place to play. You, you look at the strength of schedule, you look at the efficiency rankings, and you put that up against a group of five team in Cincinnati, and there, there are people who will, will, will take the power five team. I was just talking about this, uh, about Lee, about Coach Corso before. Like, like I'm sure that's going to be one of his points on on Saturday, that if Oklahoma State wins, they should jump Cincinnati. And, and there are people that believe that. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but but uh, but I don't think it's a lock that it doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, think, I think they could very easily make their way in, even if Cincinnati – Beats Houston and doesn't uh, by, do so by, in by a the way, like fashion. 10 days ago, they were like plus a thousand to make the college football playoff, yeah. which is a ridiculous number. Yeah, so I'm with you. I'm I'm picking the pokes now, but I agree with you. I think if you're actually going to make a recreational bet on this, I would wait till there is some hard news on who's going to line up at quarterback right. for the Bears. because uh, that could be a big difference. I think they're a different team with Gary Bohannon. I mean, I look. The backup has played just fine. Blake has played just fine, but you just you always feel better when you have your guy, your alpha, <laughs> the guy that the guys believe in. So yeah, all right, MAC championship. I do think it's a little unjust that the MAC is playing at noon on a Saturday. I feel like that should be a Tuesday night game. I was just gonna say it should be it should be played <laughs> mid midweek at six thirty on ESPN two. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the perfect time for it. Yeah. I'm with you. So Kent I State, they, used, they used to play it on Friday night, and I think then it got it kind of got lost in the uh, up up against the Pac-12 game uh, on Friday night as well. So, but but I'm with you. I, I uh, it feels like it should be a, a weeknight type game, especially that that game and, and the fact that the game is indoors um, with with Kent State and Northern Illinois. I know over is the the, the chalky trendy poly public play but in perfect conditions how do either of these teams get many stops in the game i mean i think Kent, I, think, I think northern illinois has like 13 sacks all year long and you're talking about a, a league that all they do is throw the ball that's right so, uh, it's i'll be rooting for kent state from my guy brian windhorst and, and hope that they can get a, a a conference title but 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 i think the first meeting was 52 47 uh, I would expect another ridiculously high game with with potentially both teams uh, in the forties here. Yeah, Golden Flash has put up almost seven hundred yards of total offense in the first meeting. So yeah. if, it was if like you're looking call, for fireworks, like almost ten it. yards a play. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So last line I saw on this was was Kent State uh, minus two and a half on this. You you like them to cover that, or are you, you going with the Huskies as the underdog? Um. I will take Kent State in that game. I don't feel great about it, but if you're asking me to pick a side, I will. Northern Illinois has played close games uh, all year long and, and really exceeded expectations to uh, to get where they are. They've, they've won so many 50-50 games. But but I, I just think Kent State at this point uh, is better. They beat them already, and I think in really good uh, perfect weather conditions, they should, again, I'm more – Maybe even just play a Kent State team total too. I'm I'm pretty confident that Kent State will easily find themselves into the into the low 40s. So you guys are still picking opposites. Boss is taking the Huskies in this when he's going in IU, <laughs> and I, I'm rolling with I'm rolling with you. I, I like Kent State in this. I, I to your point, I think it being inside is great for them. I mean, great for both teams. Yeah. But if you're Kent State, you're going look. We ran up and down a field on these guys last time we played them. What's going to be different this time? Right. I saw an article where NIU's coach said, hey, we've just been telling the guys, 
if you just hold them to maybe three yards less per play this time. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, that's like an extra punt, and that gives us a chance. That's right. That's right. All right. I, I think this is a, another really interesting matchup in the Mountain West Championship game. Utah State and the Aggies playing San Diego State, who's had a just a magical year so far. Last line I saw was the Aztecs minus five and a half. Who are you liking in that one? Yeah, there there are some sixes out there as well, and uh, I'm going to take Utah State plus the points again. I, I the job that Blake Anderson has done this year uh, in Logan, uh, bringing in a bunch of guys from that he had at Arkansas State, including his quarterback Logan Bonner. Uh, this is a really good offense. Uh, I know San Diego State has one of the better defenses, uh, certainly in the Mountain West. I don't know if I'm going to say country because they did give a bunch of points to to Utah and stuff, but for, for, for who they play, uh, they do a really good job. Um, at the same time, though, their top point total of the year in Mountain West play is 28, I believe. So it's like if you know that 28 is kind of their ceiling, I trust Blake Anderson's team to, to score 23, 24 uh, in, in a worst-case scenario to to cover that number because I don't think San Diego State's going to get to 30. Like, I and Utah State's not a great defensive team, but at the same time, I, I do think that they will be able to, to put some points up on the board here. Maybe not enough to pull the outright upset, but uh getting six points, I'll take uh I'll take the Aggies. You guys are still picking opposites. Boss been rolling with the Aztecs all year and he's rolling with them again. He loves that defense. I'm with you. I am also taking uh, the Aggies. I, I think this is a, one of these things where, where Logan Bonner's very accomplished, great quarterback, can really mm-hmm. spin it. Love what Coach Anderson does. Uh, obviously, San Diego State's mm-hmm. anchored by Cameron Thomas and his his sack numbers. But I looked at this uh, when I was getting ready for the show. They're 79th in the country in passing yards allowed, even as good as that defense has mm-hmm. been. So that gives me a lot of confidence that Utah State's going to be able to get what they want, yeah, I think, and, and, in the and, passing and, and game. There really isn't much that you would think Bonner hasn't seen. as an experienced quarterback. He's been around for – like, like that That has to help against a defensive unit that's going to show some some different looks. Like, like, like how much are they going to be able to throw at him that he hasn't seen in his, in his time as a, as a college quarterback? All right, I'm going to give you a, a pro football Utah State trivia question. When you think mm-hmm. Utah State and pro football players, who's the first player that comes to mind? Well, everyone's going to say Jordan Love, but I'm going to say Merlin Olson. Oh, man, you know what? I, where I go straight to? Former H back slash tight end for the former Washington Redskins, Chris Cooley. Yep, that, that, that's that's a good one too. Yeah, and then, it's um, crazy. I feel like they put out some really big name NFL talent for being. I would say Ryan less than prominent too. I believe, right? Uh, I think that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, some some really good ones. So. Yeah, I think that's a really fun game. And I think this may be my favorite game of the day. The Sunbelt Conference Championship game. App State going to play the Raging Cajuns in Louisiana. And uh, last line I saw was the Mountaineers minus two and a half in a regular season matchup. Hopefully they can avenge a loss. Where are you sitting on that Yeah, one? I've seen two and a half. I've seen some threes as well. I like, I like, I want to keep wanting to say you all off yet. I said it on the pod too, but, but I, I like the Raging Cajuns here. I, I know. People are going to think distraction with with Billy Napier going to, to Gainesville. But, but I, I think the fact that he's there this week, I, I think he really wants to send this group out with the conference championship. They won easily in the first meeting. Again, it was aided by four Appalachian State turnovers. But 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 I, I think I, I like this Louisiana team. I think 
Uh, Levi Lewis is a, is a quarterback who a couple of years ago was a little inconsistent, but he's gotten much better throwing the ball, uh, eliminated a lot of the, the, the bad throws and a lot of the poor decisions uh, he was making. Uh, it's an opportunity for Louisiana, which that conference had, like I tell them, it was canceled last year. They didn't get a chance yeah. to play in it. They lost a close game a couple of years ago to the Mountaineers. Uh, again, I'm going to get – Steve and I just sat on the pod too. If we're going down, we're going out together. I'm going to take the field goal uh, with the team that won by four touchdowns in the first meeting this year and, and go with Napier and, uh, and Louisiana. So – once again, boss is taking the Mountaineers. <laughs> I mean, this is not planned at all. Dude, no, no, did not planned this. I even yeah. asked you. I even asked you when you sent me the the list of games. I was like, "Do you need me to email me my my picks back?" And you're like, "No, yeah. just for you to know." And yeah, it, yeah. it's funny that this is it went, it went six for six or whatever it is now. Yeah, he texted me his picks and he said, "I'm going to try to make it, but if I can't make it, here's my picks." So this is really <laughs> funny. So th- this is an interesting one for me. I think this App State team is super interesting. They've got the Odysseus of college football in Chase Bryce playing quarterback for them. I feel like he's had the, the longest journey of any college quarterback in the country. Um, maybe outside of uh, Nick Starkle at San Jose State, yeah. but um, started a career at Clemson, then to Duke, and now, now at App State. And um, they've been playing great football. I mean, Is Tate Martell they, still hanging around somewhere? So, somewhere. He, he's out there in the world somewhere, I think. Um, I didn't he wind up at like UNLV at some point back home? That's like what I thought. However yeah. Many- I know he went somewhere after Miami, and then I know he went somewhere, I think, after that as well. It's been funny to watch kind of the the paths of these guys that were on the the QB1 show and see where they've ended up. I saw that, uh, what's the kid's name, Nick Scalzi, the kid's the backup at Kentucky that was on like QB1 season three, Mm -hmm. announced his transfer. Uh, So it's been interesting to kind of follow some of those kids. A lot of of those trajectories have gone like that. They have. They have. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how that works. Um, I'm with you though. I, I I think the the I think the the feeling here is to say, oh, Coach Napier's taking the job at Florida. But I think it's important. He's coaching in the game, and I think he wants to finish this thing out. And I like the Raging Cajuns in this too, even though App State's been playing great football ever since Louisiana beat the doors off of them. They've been thumping people, but I like the Raging Cajuns in this one. Fun fact about the Mountaineers, their backup quarterback is son of former Tennessee stud quarterback, Heath Shuler, Navy Shuler. Okay. Is one of their backups. Yeah. Okay. That, that so, makes sense. Heath, Heath being from Eastern Tennessee, that, that, it's a logical spot for Yeah. For yeah. <clears throat> All right. So next game on the docket is the conference championship game in the American. And this is the one I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on for very mm-hmm. obvious reason. Uh, Dana Holgerson taking his Cougars uh, to play the Bearcats. Last line I saw Bear was Cincinnati minus 10 and a half. Yep. And that's, and that's where it is. It's holding there. Look, there, there are people that are going to be very attracted to the underdog here, uh, just with the pressure on Cincinnati. But I, I think the Bearcats kind of got their bad games out of the way. Uh, the SMU game got them right. And then last week they were in kind of a flat spot. Their special teams really came through in a big way against East Carolina, and they played well. If you, I know it's not a great sample size, but the, the, the couple of meetings that you've had between uh, Dan Holgerson's team and Luke Fickle's team in the American have been one-sided Cincinnati wins, and they've done a really good job uh, handling Dana's offense. So I, I think with so much at stake here, yes, I get people that are going to want to take Houston and the points, but I'm on Cincinnati here. I think the Bearcats win, win, win uh, by at least two touchdowns. 
Well, it took us seven games, but we finally got one where you and Boston yeah. are on the same page. <laughs> he's he's taking the Bearcats too. He likes them. I, I think he's kind of in the same mindset that you know they've they've got a ton to play for. And I think in a lot of ways, look, if you look at their schedule and what their trajectory has been, it's got to be difficult week after week to get up for some of the opponents that they've had. And whether yeah, that's and that real or not, too, you're taking everybody's best shot. Exactly. 100%. And I think, too, it, it matters where the game is being played. I mean, be a little bit brisk in the Queen City uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different, I think, when you're in offense like Houston to kind of contend with that. Mm-hmm. I think to your to your point, Luke Fickle is going to have a scheme and a game plan in place that will combat that offense. Um, and I think, too, it's a statement day for them to go out and say, look, we belong here. And you can't leave us out. I think that's going to be their goal on Saturday. So I'm, I'm with both of y'all. I'm taking the Bearcats too. Um, I, I think it's going to be a big day for them. All right, Big Ten title game. This game is also really interesting to me just because of how the defense is profile. But Iowa sneaking their way in. They should send um, you know, a, a steak platter or something to the folks at Minnesota for paving yeah. the way for them. Um, and Nebraska. <laughs> and Nebraska. That's right. For laying down at the end. And uh, Michigan obviously coming from a monster win in the game last weekend. And they are also, last line I saw, 10 and a half point mm-hmm. favorites. Who are you liking that one, Barry? Again, it's a common theme with Cincinnati, with Michigan, with, with Oklahoma State, with Georgia, teams that really haven't, I mean, Georgia's had the one, uh, but Teams that kind of control their fate or in the mix for the playoff are all big favorites and expected to win. And typically, like, that's what we've had in the playoff area. Like, if you ever think back to the BCS era, it seemed like we've had, we had one, two, or three losing every week, and there was an upset and chaos. We haven't had that in the college football playoff era. If you, if you take the Power Five conferences and the American, because Cincinnati kind of falls into the, uh, the, the mold this year, there have been 28 games where the, where the team has been favored by more than four points. Only one is lost outright. And that was Utah against Oregon a couple of years ago in the Pac-12. Like we have not had upsets in the playoff era of these teams that are expected to win. Now, whether it's been because Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state and LSU or whomever have just simply been better than those teams and it haven't really eliminated the chance of an upset or if there's something to it, I don't know, but, but just keep that in mind when, when you're potentially thinking that it could be this crazy Saturday, uh, it hasn't been, but again, now maybe this year with teams with who have not been there before with so much at stake, maybe that gets to them on championship Saturday and we do get a couple of upsets, but the, uh, the track record lately has, has been for that not to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, in Indianapolis on, on Saturday night either. I think Michigan wins this game easily. I think they win it big. Uh, I've seen an Iowa team total of 16 and a half. I would be very surprised if Iowa got to 17 points in this game, as long as Michigan didn't turn the ball over and the, and the Wolverines have done a pretty good job all year. They had a fluke turnover against Michigan State in their only loss of the year. Mike McDonald's defense is fantastic, and I would I'd be hard-pressed to see Iowa really able to do a whole lot offensively. Well, things have returned back to normal because boss is on the Hawkeyes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Expect nothing less. Yeah, yeah, this is great. 
Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I am. I'm riding the Wolverines here. I, I like them in this game. The problem for me is Iowa's offense. I've watched them probably four or five times this year, and and each time I get done watching them, I go, <laughs> really? <laughs> that was that was that was a tough watch. Um, it, it's interesting, I think, from a matchup perspective, because defensively, in a lot of ways, they're mirrors. You know, they're 13th and 14th in the country in total defense. They're seventh and eighth in the country in stop rate. So so they look a lot alike. But the difference for me is Michigan's offense is competent and Mm -hmm. they've got guys that can make plays. And I'm not saying that K McNamara is a world beater because I don't think he is, but I think he functions very well in that offense doing what they need him to do. And I think he showed that Saturday. So I I liked him in this game and and I'm with you. I think this could really turn into just an absolute laugher. If you like Iowa in this game, the only, I don't want to say the only, but the number one reason you like Iowa is because you think Michigan is going to come out flat after the biggest, after its biggest win in years. Yeah. And I just don't see that because they hang their hat on their defense. And I just don't see that defense coming out flat with the two leaders that they have on that D. I just don't see it, man. I think I they're going to come out with their hair on fire on Saturday. So this is another interesting one. I think this will be a fun game. Um, ACC got two different faces in the title game this year for the first time in seemingly forever. You got one of the feel-good stories of the year in uh, Dave Clawson's bunch at Wake Forest, led by Sam Hartman. Going to play Pitt, Heisman Trophy contender Kenny Pickett. Uh, last line I saw, Bear, was Pitt minus two and a half in that one. Yeah, I've, um, seen two and, I've seen two and a half and three. I don't like this game at all. Anytime you just got two, two offenses, which are going to kind of go back and forth against each other. Uh, very few stops. I, I don't enjoy betting on these games because it's just kind of seven on seven. It does have the better defense, so I, I, I would I would like Pitt's opportunity and Pitt's chances to get a stop more than I would Wake Forest. So if I had to play the game, I would play Pitt, but it's certainly not a very very strong feel here. Boss is with you on this one. He likes the Panthers too. All right. Yeah, he, he likes the Panthers. I uh, I am going to be opposite of both of you. And if Boss was here, he'd tell I you why. I wouldn't mind being wrong here, by the way. I, I yeah. have a ton of respect for, for Wake Forest and, and, and Dave Clawson and, and that program. And in recent years, I've been very they've been very good to me in the season win total department as well. So I, I would lo- I would like selfishly really like to see Wake Forest. But I would like to be wrong here uh, with, with my with my with my lukewarm pick of pick. I think in our 13 weeks of picks, I think I've probably picked them like 10 times. <laughs> done pretty well. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just, I love Sam Hartman. I love how he functions within that offense. And I think this is a Dave Clawson team, right? He's got a lot of guys that have been in the program multiple years, which is what he needs within that mm-hmm. program for them to be successful. And it just seems like a year for them where everything's kind of fallen in place a little bit. And, and Maybe this is a hopeful heart pick, but I, I hope that continues for him on Saturday. So I, I'm going to take him as the as the dog in this one, and, and hope that I hope it's a, a, a high scoring fun game too. All right, last one, Bear. It's a heck of an undercard with these other nine games, but this is the main event for sure. And this Cal is uh, City, right. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. That's the one everybody's waiting on. So we have been calling this the trilogy fight because if you think about the the 2017 title game and then the the 2018 slobber knocker and the SEC title game, and we now just, this we just is, forget about 2012 that that never happened. Well, I, I guess or is I, that like I, is that like ancient history? 
Well, let me tell you, I, I've still got some some scar tissue from that one for sure, brother. I mean, that, that sure. just op- that, that opened a wound. For that, sure. was, that was an, I mean, that was another <laughs> national title. Like you, you would have beaten Notre Dame like a drum in, in, 100%. in the title game. And, and that 12 Georgia team was absolutely loaded. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I guess this one we've been calling the trilogy fight just because it's, it's coach smart versus coach. Mm-hmm. And so this is the one and, and from the Georgia side, this is the one. And we've talked about this all year. I don't even think it's a Jimmy's and Joe's thing. I think this is for the Georgia side. It's a psychological mountaintop to overcome. Absolutely. And I think if they are able to ascend that mountaintop, the, the ascent is limitless after that, not just this year, but, but moving forward. Because I think other than that, Kirby has built a behemoth in Athens. <laughs> um, last line I've seen, uh, I think it's still holding there, is, is the dogs minus six and a half. Yep. How are you feeling about that one? No, you're, you're, you're right. It, this game is all between the ear holes for Georgia. I mean, they are the more talented team here. They have played loose and free and fun and together on the field all year long. And if they do that again on Saturday, it's going to be hard for Alabama to beat them. But, but, but I think in terms of the number, it's six and a half. I'm going to have to take Alabama plus the points because I think it's a little bit of an overreaction based on the Auburn game. Uh, Jamison Williams was gone for a good part of that game. His return is really going to help. Uh, Bryce Young on that offense, I, I know they can't run the ball at all, and they probably won't even try to run the ball because even if they had a running game, they wouldn't be able to run the ball on Georgia because nobody runs the ball on Georgia. So, I mean, I, and look, I'm not breaking any news here. I mean, Kirby Smart and the, and, and, and Will and, and, and Coach Lanning, I mean, they, they, I'm sure they're expecting what I'm expecting is that Alabama to use a lot of quick screens, a lot of quick passes to – Kind of, kind of mask their running deficiency, and that, and that's probably what they'll try and do. But, but I, I just think like last week you're looking at getting three and a half, and, and and because they struggled in a rivalry game on the road and didn't have their best wide receiver for a good part of the game, uh, now you're getting a field goal more. And while last week we did see Oklahoma State get over the mental hurdle, we saw uh, Michigan get over the mental hurdle. Uh, it's one of those things like until you do it. Uh, it's hard to fully buy in. Look, I picked Georgia to win the national championship before the year. So I, I still expect them to do that. But I don't think this is like an easy game for them Saturday at all. I, I think you've got a wounded animal in Alabama. Nick Saban is a, is a dangerous underdog with a team who's still, after Georgia, is the most talented team in the country, even with the injuries that they have arguably the best player in the country and Will Anderson on that defense. I think Georgia wins, but I think, I think the play here is to take Alabama plus the six and a half. Well, you can imagine where boss and I are going to pick. <laughs> we are, we, we are both. in a vacuum. It makes no sense to pick Alabama based on everything that's going on. So I totally get why anybody out there would want to lay the points here. It's funny. My brother and I are going to the game on Saturday and we've had a bunch of people say, Hey, I hope it's a good game. And I've looked at them going, I don't, <laughs> I hope it's a blowout. <laughs> um, but I'm with you. Here are the things that give me some pause after not just watching this season, but but knowing this rivalry with a painful intimacy. <laughs> 
the things that make me nervous are Jamari Salyer's status is in question, and it's mm-hmm. looking like he will not play Saturday. Roger Jones has filled in very ably and is a great player, but he is going to be tasked with, to your point, blocking probably the most dynamic defensive player in all of college football. That should give anyone pause. <laughs> it certainly gives us pause. Um, I also think it is going to be very interesting to see what Bill O'Brien and that Alabama offense come out and scheme against that Georgia defense. I expect them to use tempo. I expect them to use the short and intermediate passing game as a running game. Um, Because to your point, there is zero empirical evidence to show that they or anybody else is running the football on Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, and that absolutely loaded group uh, on Georgia's defensive line. And at the end of the day, it's still Alabama and it's still coach Saban. And until you slay that dragon, it's still a dragon. <laughs> and so Great. I am, I am always going to be very leery of that fire until, uh, until they take its last breath. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's for me, it's a tepid choice to, to take them and to cover um, because I will be perfectly fine with them winning by one. <laughs> So, yeah, it's difficult. I I also think if you watch that kid, Bryce Young, play, he looks like he could cook you an omelet while he was standing on top of a moving tractor trailer down I-95. I mean, unflappable. Look, that was a a hell of a drive last week, and and I I, I killed uh, Harson for their game management and Bigsby for going out of bounds and and basically – costing Auburn 40, 45 seconds there, and they probably would have won the game had that clock continued to run. But Alabama still had to go down the field and score that touchdown to send the game into overtime. And, and you know, what, what Young did on that drive after struggling for so long was 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 pretty incredible. Is, is, that, the, is that the feel, the vibe down there? Is it, is it kind of a, like a, a tepid type like feel, or is it like, oh, no, this is the time we're absolutely winning? So I think it's absolutely tepid. I think in general, Georgia football fans and, and more generally state of Georgia sports fans <laughs> are always tepid about the possibility of success. I do think the Braves <laughs> winning the World Series has made people go, wait a minute, maybe this is it, right? Like maybe this is the year. But there are so many skeletons in that Alabama closet when you're a Georgia fan and there are so many demons that you're hoping are going to be exercised that it feels big, right? Even though to everyone who with their own two eyeballs has watched the two teams play, and if you break down all the numbers and the analytics and blah, 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 Georgia should win the football game running away, right? Mm -hmm. But I I just always have a hard time depositing a check that Nick Saban is involved with, right? For good reason. Yeah, and so – But for me, that's the excitement about it, right? As somebody who is devoted to Georgia is going, I think this is the plant your flag in the ground game. If you are coach smart in the Georgia football program to say, we're here and we're staying new boss in town. That's that's your opportunity. Kind of like that 2008, 2009 Alabama deal where Bama came so close to beating Urban and Tebow and the Gators. 2008 and they made 2009 all about that it's so funny because i have a really good friend who is a uh is a diehard georgia fan and, and i can remember after the 2000 the 2017 title game he 
I mean, you remember how awful of a night it was out, outside. Oh, it, yeah. Weather-wise, he's he's he shorts rips off his Georgia pullover jacket, throws it in a, in, in a garbage pail, and walks back saturated in, in the rain and shorts and that thirty five whatever thirty five degrees forty degrees whatever it was. And it was funny too because uh, he's going down. He's coming in for the game uh, this week and. He was asking when I was getting in, because if I was getting in early, he'd come in Friday and hang. If not, he'd come in Saturday morning. And, and then when his wife found out that he was going in on Saturday and not Friday, she was all disappointed because she just wants him out of the house because he's a nervous wreck this week. So <laughs> I can, I can, he belongs with the rest of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, too, where I, you just I, I saw somebody tweet this. You'll find this funny. Somebody said, I'm seeing all these people responding to Alabama fans online on Twitter and stuff, talking trash. He goes, that's not how you do this. You oh. keep your mouth shut and you save all the tweets. And then at 745 Saturday night, if we do do it, then you start throwing the tweets back. And I was like, see right there. That's a veteran Georgia fan. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Don't, yeah, don't, so. don't, don't, don't write any checks you can't cash. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, uh, well, Bear, we, we really do appreciate you spending time with us. This was awesome. Uh, you obviously have unique perspective on this because you got so much, so much knowledge about not just this game, but but all the games going on in the slate this weekend. And hey, brother, we're hoping that the, the 10 pounds of red is coming to reside with you. Also, if it does, that means I have had a magnificent week as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, so hey, before too. before we let you go, let everybody know how they can follow you and support you. I'll be will uh, stay receiving the Bear podcast will be out. Um, our, our picks column will be out uh, on Thursday as well. Column should be up on uh, the, uh, the the pod should be up Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, if it's not up already. Uh, then college game day, Saturday morning. Uh, it should be fun. You know where to follow me at Chris Felica on, on, on Twitter and Instagram. I need to be more active on Instagram. That should be like my 2022 resolution. Be more active on Instagram because Instagram is a kinder, gentler place than Twitter. That's very true. That is that is very, very true. Well, we will make sure and link everything in the show notes, link to the podcast, uh, link to your Twitter and Instagram. Everybody make sure and go follow Bear and be sure and support his shows and his columns. He's obviously fantastic and, and beloved throughout the college football world. So thanks so much for spending time with us, Bear, and have a great time this weekend. Safe, safe travels everywhere. Thank you. And uh, if things go right for you guys on Saturday, maybe we can do something uh, again as the playoff draws near. Yeah, that sounds great. Hey, George is better now.